Hi, this is Lindy, the creator and host of Lindy's Audio Cafe, a podcast focused on positive and thought-provoking stories. Life gets busy, and in the race for happiness, we sometimes forget it's often the smaller things in life that truly matter. My podcast is focused on the stories that don't make tabloids, the basics that make you smile, the kindness of people who help make the world a better place. Yeah, we need a bit more of that. But before we get started, please be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening. Happy birthday! Well, hello there, and welcome to Lindy's Audio Cafe. My name is Lindy, and I'm absolutely delighted to join you once again today. Oh, and it's been a bit of a busy week for me this past week. Um, I did reach another milestone in the past few days. As a matter of fact, I'm now officially in the overage 55 group. That's right, and that means that I'm headed for more discounts and excuses for a little bit of zany behavior. <laughs> now, birthdays really are just another day to me, but you know, there's nothing nicer than when you wake up in the morning and you pick up your cell phone and you've been just flooded with messages from your family and your friends and they're wishing you happy greetings. It's really nice. I mean, there are people that are close by, people that are far uh, friends, acquaintances. It really made my day. So thank you so much to everybody for your greetings. It really did mean a lot to me. Now that I'm officially in the over age 55 category, I wonder, does that make me vintage or does that make me antique? Hmm. Well, technically I am vintage. However, some days, believe me, I do feel like antique. And then there's other days where I'm feeling really youthful, perhaps even borderline on the immature side. But, you know, no matter how I'm feeling or how I'm acting, I'm always grateful to be here on this side of the grass and to have my health, my family, and my friends. Now, speaking of vintage and antiques, I really like thrift stores and antique shops. I've always found myself highly fascinated by older books and magazines, memorabilia. You know, you find old wagons, old coffee pots, you know, anything that's from an era like way back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. I love that kind of stuff. When I look at old cookbooks, I can clearly see how far we've come with our cultural changes. Now, you know, I had an old vintage cookbook a few years back, and I think it was probably from the late 1940s, maybe the 1950s. It was a big, thick cookbook, and it was an amazing book. It had all kinds of sections in there, and there was a section in the book, and it talked about how to decorate at the table, where the place settings would be, you know, if you had extra forks, extra spoons, where you would be putting that stuff, and it was really neat to see that book. I loved reading it, but a lot of the recipes were not healthy recipes. You know, you'd go through and you'd look at it, and there was all these recipes for heavy meals, you know, these creamy dishes, heavy gravies, uh, things that I would have a look at and go, holy cow, you know, I mean, if I keep reading this book, I'm going to have a jammer just reading it, let alone eating it. This stuff is not healthy. Well, you know, in that cookbook that I had, there was a little section at the back, and it was kind of crazy. It had a spot that was like for more, kind of, how would I describe it? More difficult recipes, a little more intricate to work on. And uh, there was a section that actually said in the book, only this section should be tried by clever boys and their fathers. And I read that and I went like, what the hell, you guys, clever boys and their fathers? 
talk about stereotypical stuff back in those days. You kind of laugh about it, but it's kind of sad. I'm really glad to see that we're not practicing like that anymore. Good grief. I think there's got to be a little bit more equality in the kitchen and uh, no room for that kind of antique stuff. Earlier this week, I went into a really cool antique shop and I was accompanied by my partner and a couple of our friends. We went inside and it was really fun to have a look. Now keep in mind, we're all from um, age category anywhere between 50s and 70s. So we're having a lot of fun going through and having a look and checking out all the things that were there. It brings back a lot of memories Uh, things that we saw when we were younger and growing up and I love it and as they're going through the store they're looking at everything and I'm stopped and I'm focused on one little box that's right the entire time they were shopping I pretty much got uh, stuck on a spot where I just couldn't move and it was a box of photographs that's right like sitting off on a shelf on the side was a box it was probably not much bigger than a shoe box and it was filled with photographs and they were selling them for six dollars a photo So I started going through the box and having a look at it and I just wanted to see what was in there and I mean here's an example I've got a couple photos that I ended up picking from the box here and they're definitely from a different era I mean one picture that I've got here has a there's a little boy in the picture and he's got some kind of a little vest with a belt on and it looks like he's wearing I don't know you'd say it would be knickers or leggings of some kind probably little brown shoes that lace up And I thought it was a girl at first, but now I'm actually thinking it's a little boy. I'm not sure. doesn't really matter. We've got a little toddler who's in a white linen gown here in the chair. And this little toddler also has what appears to be brown lace-up boots. And it says on the back there's a name, and it refers to the toddler as being 16 months old. Very young. And I have this other picture here, and it looks like a little guy who I'm guessing would probably be, oh, I would say maybe he's around 12 years old. I'm not really sure. And yeah, he's got like a little sailor jacket on, little lace-up shoes. It's obviously taken place in a studio. So when you look at it, he's got one foot up on the bench. And somebody's written on the back that it's her dear brother, Harry. Hmm, now there's some last names here on the cards. I've chosen not to put them out here on the podcast, but it caught my attention when I saw this. This isn't the first time that I've encountered vintage and antique photos for sale. As a matter of fact, a few years back, I bought a new scanner. I was offering some scanning services, and I purchased a box of slides because I didn't have any slides to try out the feature on my scanner, and so I came home with a big box of these, and I bought them at a local thrift store, going through the slides and there were some different pictures. I mean, there was a picture of a big May tree, picture of a little girl with her dog. And then I come across a picture of some guy that looked like he was probably a jailbird. <laughs> like a jailbird? How'd I get a jailbird in this box of pictures? I definitely would not be scanning that and posting it online. I don't know. It looked like these pictures had maybe come from an archives or something, but it made me wonder how do these things end up in antique stores and end up in thrift shops? How would I feel if it was me? Now, as much as I was fascinated by the content in these pictures, I actually felt a little disturbed by it as well. I mean, I thought about my own pictures and my own photo albums, you know, all the pictures from my childhood. How would I feel if in 50 years my photos were ending up in a secondhand store or being sold off in an antique shop? They're my personal pictures, and I don't know that I would want them out there like that. It was a strange feeling when I thought about it in that perspective. 
So, you know, I did purchase those two photos that day and I sat there and for quite some time I kept looking at these photos, bringing them up again and I kept looking at them and thinking, who were these people? Who were these people in the photographs? Where did they come from? Were they from Canada? Were they immigrants to our area? Did these pictures come from their photo album or did they come from the photo album of another relative who no longer wanted to have those pictures? Hmm, or what was their story? Did they have a family? Were these pictures maybe in albums of people who've been foster parents? Or were they in albums of close relatives? I'll never know what their story is. Everybody has a story, but how does it end up that your picture ends up in a thrift store or an antique shop? It certainly brought up some interesting conversations with my friends that day. I mean, I'm a 60s baby and my friends were probably born in the 1940s, I'm guessing. So we're definitely from an older generation, but a little bit different in age. But we had many similarities. And one of my friends and I were walking through the store and we're looking at all the china and the pinwheel crystal and all the linens and the silverware and the artwork and all these things that were in the store. We reminisced a little bit about the old days. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, every girl that I knew talked about having a hope chest. Well, what are you putting in your hope chest? I have some china. I bought some cutlery or silverware to go in the hope chest. And girls would start collecting things before they moved out of home. Sometimes we would get gifts from our parents and it could be something that was hand embroidered like pillowcases or linens or tablecloths. And it would be a gift for your hope chest. Now these things would go with you when you moved out of the house, whether you were married or whether you were single, it was all part of getting ready to move on. Now when you got married, back in the old days, a lot of times there were things that people were collecting, like a specific china set or a certain type of crystal. Those were a huge deal back then. And now you go into these antique shops and there's rows and rows lined with this. Now, depending on the type of store that you go to, I've been into higher-end antique shops, and I've seen china sets in there that are selling for $1,000, $2,000. Some are behind closed in glass, and apparently they're really a major brand that everybody wanted back in the day, and they're being sold for three dollars to $5,000. That's huge what people are spending on their china. I look at that and I smile because I come from a household that pretty much grew up on plastic dishes and melamine, you know, and when we finally got uh, some kind of china in the house, it was really a big deal, and we were really careful with that. That wasn't something that I necessarily grew up with, but there are a lot of people that that was something in their day. So what happens to all this stuff? You know, I remember my mom telling me once that her mom told her, don't leave the china for the second wife. And Mom used to laugh about that, and I'd have to ask her, well, what were they talking about back then? And Mom said, oh, well, back in the day, you know, sometimes if a man was widowed and he remarried, the new wife would come along and she would use the china. She wouldn't leave it up on the shelf and polish it and hope to leave it for the next generation. She'd put it out on the table and they'd be using it. And Mom said, and so many people wouldn't do that. And her mom used to say, don't leave it for the second wife. If you've got china, use it now and enjoy it. Makes sense to me. So as we strolled through the store, we talked about all the things in there and what happens to it when our time comes? What happens when we downsize? 
What happens when we pass away? Who is going to want to have all that stuff? A lot of the younger generations now aren't interested in having piles of china and all that kind of stuff. They just don't want it. And so you go into these stores and there's all these figurines and ornaments and there's been a generation that took so much pride in collecting these things and they polished it and they cleaned it and they put it on display. And then the next generation comes along and goes, oh my gosh, who wants all this crap? I don't want it. I just want you to get rid of it. And a lot of younger people are living differently now. Many are traveling, some are living in smaller homes, and some of them just don't have the room for that kind of stuff. I think now we see a little bit more of a trend where some younger people are interested in antique tables. You know, they'll take like the dressing tables or dressers. They'll have those things and they'll refinish them. They'll do the chalk paint look, the vintage look. Yeah, there's some of that furniture has come back in style and there does seem to be a bit of a renewed interest for it. But when it comes along to the big old paisley, you know, uh, sofa that we've got that weighs hundreds of pounds, the huge entertainment units, the bulky bookshelves, a lot of those things the younger people are simply not interested in having anymore. The toy section has always been one of my favorite sections in antique stores. It is so much fun to go in those sections and you see all these toys that we played with when we were a kid. Oh yeah, there's like the little red wagons and the red tricycles and then there's the Fisher Price. You know, everybody likes to have a look at that little Fisher Price phone. You know, the one that had the string on it that you could pull along and the little eyeballs that went up and down. I love the Fisher Price telephone. I still have my Fisher Price toys. As a matter of fact, um, I played with them, my children played with the same set, and now my grandchildren play with them when they come to visit. Those Fisher-Price toys have made it through a couple generations, and 50 years later, they're still in really good shape. It's amazing, and I'm glad that I hung on to those toys, and it wasn't about monetary value for me. It was about the value I got in watching other children being able to enjoy them, and I felt they were good toys, they were quality, they were safe, and they were bringing a lot of fun for generations to come. My curiosity was piqued when I got home, and I decided to do a little bit of research online just to find out what some of the toys have actually sold for. So I found a really good article online. It was on the goodhousekeeping.com site. And this article was created in December of 2018, written by a lady named Sarah Horn, and it was titled, The 40 Most Valuable Toys from Your Childhood. Well, I'm not going to go through the whole article, but I definitely will highlight a couple things that piqued my attention. And the first one that caught me was, the second item on her list was a 1978 Luke Skywalker action figure valued at $25,000. Imagine that, $25,000 for an action figure. And then she noted that the, what was it, the Peanut Royal Blue Elephant Beanie Baby had been valued at $5,000. I can't imagine that. Then she goes on to talk about Pez dispensers and how the prices vary, but some of them have been selling for astronomical amounts of money. Apparently, there was one that was selling on eBay for $32,000. I mean, that's the price of a car. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, and then she also mentioned the Monopoly game. Hmm, did you know that the original hand-drawn oilcloth version of Monopoly, made in 1933, sold for $146,500 at an auction house in 2011. Can you imagine that? Over $100,000 for the original hand-drawn version of that game. 
it made me smile because, I mean, I played Monopoly a lot when I was a little girl. My friends and I used to play it. And you'd always be counting your money and selling your houses and building your real estate and getting money for passing go and using money to get out of jail. There was all these fun things with the game. But never did we ever imagine that that game would be selling for over $100,000 for the original version. Comics were a big thing when I was growing up. I mean, I remember getting Archie comics, Betty, Veronica, Richie Rich, Casper. Yeah, I remember Casper the Friendly Ghost. And going back to Archie, heck, I was a member of the Archie Club when I was a kid. I even had the little pin that you stuck on, and I got it in the mail. It said, I am a member of the Archie Club. It was pretty cool. Well, you know, now you look at those comics and think, good grief, I wished I'd hung on to some of them. Because apparently there are comics that are selling for thousands and thousands of dollars. And some of them even in the millions. So, you know, don't be so quick to always get rid of everything. If you're in doubt, do a little bit of research online. You might want to check with some of the reputable buyer sites that are out there to find out if there's any value with some of these things before you're quick to get rid of it. Because I know I think back to some of the toys that we've given away. Gee whiz, I wished we'd hung on to them. It would have been really neat. And I remember having a garage sale a few years back. And I was selling a bunch of old stuff that the kids didn't want anymore. And both of them said, we don't want these old videos. You know, just keep this one and this one. And a guy came along at the garage sale. I had a couple of videos there that were Disney videos. He's like, don't get rid of those. Those might be worth something. And I'm like, what? He goes, I'm doing you a favor. I really am. He goes, these videos can be worth a lot of money and you don't want to get rid of them. So I pulled them back and I've still hung on to them. I don't know if they're worth anything. I looked online a couple times, didn't see anything, but he was quite adamant that I was wrong to be selling them. And it's funny when you think about it that some people get rid of their toys when they're younger and then 50 years later they do things like I do and they end up in an antique shop buying one that's identical simply because it takes you for a trip down memory lane. It's always fun to visit an antique shop. I mean, it really is. To me, it's like going to a museum. And there's so much that you can learn. Be careful about overbuying when you're in there. Because remember, when you pack all that stuff home, somebody's going to have to pack it out again. And whether it's you or the younger generation coming in behind you, it's a lot of work to clean up a lot of stuff. And at the end of the day, things are just things. They aren't people. On that note, I'm going to wrap things up here. It is time for me to head on. I'd like to thank you so much for swinging by today and for joining me here on the show. And as you do head out this week, remember what I always say, that smiles come in all languages and in all colors. I took the time to create this podcast and you took the time to listen. I really do appreciate you, and if you've enjoyed my episode today, please do share it on your social networks. I'd really appreciate it. And if you have any comments or you'd like to put a review on my website, you can reach me direct through www.lindysaudiocafe.com. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to click like and share it so others can enjoy it also. Join the Lindy's Audio Cafe podcast group for updates. Oh, and positive reviews are always welcome as well. (laughs) Check the show notes for updated links. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.